0: And up to twenty five percent off outdoor. That's up to twenty-five percent off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast.
1: Listen to Lady A listen to Lady A listen. The Lady Eighty Show Podcast. We talk about books, everything about books and have great interview with authors. Here's one now. It's my great pleasure to welcome today Jerry Stravey Junior, because he is somebody I have met from across the pond while networking, while on a course, and we've become friends. And not only that, he is a superb author, superb writer, and uh, just a great gent. So, I'm loving it that I'm going to talk to you today, Jerry. So, tell us a little bit about you.
0: Okay. Um, I'll leave the checkered pass part out. Okay. So, um, I, I basically was my dad was a military officer, and I went to nine schools traveling all over the place uh, before I even went to college. And then, when I was in college, I majored in party and I figured I needed to change majors. So, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And um, ended up uh, getting commissioned and serving in some really neat places. You know, like I was in the Presidential Helicopter Squadron under Carter and Ford. Spent time overseas, Korea and Japan. Just great, wonderful uh, experiences. I am a family of three daughters. I have four and a half grandchildren. Another one's on the way. I'm very excited about that. I spent most of my time when I got out of the Marine Corps uh, in financial planning. And recently retired from that last year and but i've been writing oh gosh five or six years now so lots of different life experiences in there that um have really contributed to where i am today and by the way lady 80 you are one of my dearest um, compatriots in writing uh and i i just look to you all the time for sage advice and input (laughs) and i'm very excited that we have this friendship
1: Right. It's just and your great. family
0: is so amazing. You're such a magnificent family, such a support team. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> they are. They are pretty good. And obviously, we've got military connections, too. Um, But that might be a podcast for another day. So although you're saying it's about four years back, you started writing, I guess, officially, you were always telling stories and making stories up before that. Oh, yes.
0: This is such fun. You know, when my uh, uh, girls were young, like, you know, two, three years old, you know, when they were listening to you and that sort of thing, um, they... I would sit at the end of their bed and i would make up stories spontaneously right and i had this little puppet and this uh it wasn't a puppet it was a little um stuffed dog a small one you could fit in the palm of your hand his name was george and so george i would i would take george and i would kind of move his head around and legs and everything like that like george is telling him stories and so um i made these stories up on the spot and i drew these really really i call it primitive art lucky if it's that good but um and make draw pictures. And um, so I didn't write them down, you know, I forgot. But my kids remembered to this day. They're approaching 40 and they remember this. Okay, so. um, What happened was over the course of events, I ended up um, having a health issue and I was would have to take long walks. and I started creating another story because I've always spent my life making up stories in my head. If a significant event would come along, sometimes I would inject myself into it like I was a player, or I would change what those the characters actually did. And they were usually historical events. Um, and it was really interesting. So I was creating alternative history in my head and not knowing it. It was layering. It was giving me a lot of practice, a lot of groundwork. So when that day I finally had this um, aha moment, When I realized if here I'm going writing another story, I'll never remember what it is. And so on August 9th, four years ago, I think, uh, five years ago, I sat down. I just started writing. Never written in my life. And this is what I recommend to all writers. Just start writing. So between August August 9th and December 5th, I wrote 100,000 words.
1: Wow. It just poured out then. And and was this because um, I've obviously your novels first spouse of the United States Braxton's Century, and the continued one were they those or were they the novel, acts
0: Well, w- very interesting. Uh, Braxton's Century is supposed to be one book, and that was the first one. So I wrote it. I had a hundred thousand words, and then all of a sudden uh, we started. Have I started thinking about. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, Bill Clinton is going to be a um, male spouse, uh, you know, not a first lady, first gentleman or whatever, right? And so I said, well, what if it was two guys? But I knew there were stories about their two guys being out there, but I said it was never written about the spouse. So I said, I'd finished Braxton Century, the first book, I'd given it to a content editor. To put, she's, to put it mildly, she said it needs a lot of work my first novel. What do you expect? She said, this reads more like Wikipedia. And I was not inspired to write, go back and do that. I had finished pretty much with that at the moment. So, but I was inspired to write a story, which I entitled First Spouse of the United States. So I was about a third through writing this book and it was not like Wikipedia. I had changed my modus operandi. Thank you very much. And, um, Uh, First Spouse is about a third of the way through. And then Pete Buttigieg declared his, um, he set up a committee to explore for running for president. So I said, I've got to put the pedal to the metal and write this book and get it out before he declares for president. And I did that. And so that book, First Spouse of the United States, um, was my first book. Then I came back and wrote the first volume for Braxton Century, Volume 1. I am now writing Volume 3 of a four-volume series.
1: Right, excellent. But I do want to talk to you particularly today about your latest book, the book that's out there right now called Broken Promises. Yes. And what's rather interesting about this is that it's a nonfiction. Yes. You have moved away. Although I'm sure there's some children's books in you as well now, uh, having heard your 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 story up to now. But Broken Promises. Um, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You wrote this. Um. Um, about the story of Ted Blickweedle, yeah. if I said that correctly. Um, mm-hmm. And you had both been in the Marine Corps together as young lieutenants. Right. So it's a real circle, isn't it? Yes, it is. But that his life went on into certain directions, yours went on in another. Then you come together to write Broken Promises. Yes. Tell us about it.
0: Well, it's interesting. Um we were supposed to have, when you're in the Marine Corps, you've got the officers um, uh, candidate school, And after that, you go what they call the basic school, where you learn how to uh, actually act, you know. Yeah, basic training. You know huh? Be pardon?
1: Basic training. we would, basic we would training,
0: yeah. So that lasts for about six months. And during that period of time, um, uh, Ted and I did not know each other well. We, you know, kind of were out there struggling together, right? Just trying to get through the darn thing. And uh, 40 years later, we're supposed to be, uh, have our... Um, 40th reunion, but then COVID reared its ugly head, that was canceled. So, and the 41st (laughs) anniversary was last April, and we had that at Quantico, Virginia. Well, like good Marines, we found a way to spend time drinking together before the reunion. And we set up virtual happy hours (laughs) leading up to that physical reunion at Quantico last year. And we all got to know each other a lot online. And Ted found out that I was writing a book and uh, I, no, I'd written books and he wanted to write a book about his experience, but he had no earthly idea on how to do that. So he asked me if I would write this book with him. And uh, long story short, I said, yes, we did. And a year later, it's out.
1: Excellent. But the main thing is about a broken promise from government to- Yes. The to... story
0: is an expose, a whistleblowing expose, if you will, how the uh, United States Government Veterans Administration uh, vets center compromised veterans' mental health care. I'm speaking specifically, in large part, to PTSD. What happened was they had a group go in there. I'm gonna try to get through this quickly. This vet center program was set up as a quasi agency, if you will, or kind of separate from the VA, so it could directly help veterans in their communities struggling with PTSD. PTSD is horrible. It's an insidious thing that I'm sure many of your viewers are familiar with. You never get over it. You just need to find ways to deal with it. Well, so what they did is they created really these small community centers where people could come in and sit in chairs or couches, or whatever, and talk to professional counselors. And they were giving a lot of latitude in their um, treatment. If it took a half hour, it took an hour, it took an hour and a half, or whatever. And were you coming once a week? Were you going to group meetings? Were you going to individual meetings? It was tailored to the needs of the vets. This organization was staffed and led by Vietnam veterans and it's veterans from an ensuing conflicts who knew their clients because they were. Many of them afflicted by PTSD, and it was worked marvelous. We have over 300 of these in the United States, right? What happened was these people started aging out, and these and a, a lot lower percentage of individuals who had ex- direct experience with the challenges of vets took over, and in the process, they decided that they would like to see more efficiency, if you will. In other words. They started doing the numbers game. It wasn't quality, it was numbers. They wanted to show how they could treat more veterans, but they compromised the quality of care. And if you want to, I can just go into some of the ramifications, but that's what the book's about. Mm-hmm. And the whistleblower who goes through all the horrendous things a whistleblower gets, you know, gas gaslight, gaslighting, you know, pushed aside, shunned aside, discredited. All these horrible things. And my, my co-author, Ted uh, Blickweedle, is a combat-decorated Marine Corps officer and highly educated, and he was pushed around like garbage.
1: Okay. Did you worry writing this sort of book? You know, will you be taken to court by some of the things you've put in it?
0: Oh, yeah. But we have our secret weapon. 500-plus pages of documentation of emails, medical records. And, um, you know, we had the uh, GAO, um, which is a big investigative arm of the United States Congress, investigate this. And they came down on the side of Ted and his situation, right? The VA said, nah, we're not gonna do anything like that. We don't wanna make the changes that are recommended in there. And they just pushed it aside. So we have several, we have, we have a lot of documentation and every word in that book is documented. It's so much documentation that I um, suggested, and we went forward. Is we put all of the documents online. It's on. It's online now. Every document in that book that is referred to in that book is online, and you can read it.
1: Okay. So, what is the takeaway you would like readers to have when they've read Broken Promises?
0: I have several takeaways. Okay. number one ted and i wrote this book so this sort of thing would not happen again in the public or the private sector part of this book i have a chapter on we have a chapter on whistleblowers it talks about whistleblowers it talks about their situations how they can get help tells them this is what you're in for this is not going to be a yellow brick road okay this is going to be something it's going to be a challenge you have to believe in it how your family will be affected, how your friend, associates and friends will work affected. So another takeaway, be prepared. Uh, so we have be prepared. We have we don't want something like this to happen again. We also want to let them know that we strongly believe in what the Veterans Administration is doing. Is there just some bad apples in that barrel and we need to get them out of there and get this thing fixed? OK, so then um, again, of course, veterans and their PTSD and other ancillary kind of uh, effects they've encountered as veterans. and realize that also ptsd is not just in the military it is pervasive throughout our culture you know you have young children in who go through bad situations what have you and i for one my father was ptsd it would have a horrific effect on uh my mother my stepmother and my brothers and sisters we want to make this make it very clear this is a family thing you know it's not just one person is affected it's the whole unit that gets affected and we talk about caregivers and counselors and how the horrible situation these counselors went through. you know we had a lot of suicide suicide ideation here bad bad things happen because of the compromised health care so it's all about don't let this thing happen again be aware of the ptsd situation if you're a caregiver or a counselor and do whatever you can to help those in need we and as an addition i don't know if you're going to bring this up we have identical legislation pending in the United States House of Representatives and in the U.S. Senate that directly addresses this situation in the VA and takes steps so they can't pull this kind of junk again, if you will.
1: Well, a very important book, a very important message, current, and also you know, taking its place in history. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is you, you know, it has things have to change.
0: Right, Set. and it takes everybody to make this change. So what we'd like you, you know, if you have some United States listeners and stuff, we'd like you to um, contact your congressman and your center and say, this is bipartisan legislation. And in the book, I'll give you the links on exactly how to do it, because it's pending in the House, pending in the Senate, that they could, people could reach out and uh, contact our centers, the representatives, get this through. this would just be a beginning for helping address this situation.
1: Not okay. just nationwide, but
0: worldwide, because you know there's whistleblowers worldwide. There's whistleblower associations worldwide. It's big,
1: right? Well, we will put some of those links into the show notes as well. But yeah, um, um, yeah quite a different move from the novels. So to-, to tell the truth this
0: time. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's not all made up by any means. Although some of the things you just can't believe have happened. Right. So. Right uh jerry we do want to finish and it seems very appropriate the quote that you have so would you like to give us your favorite quote and why it means so much to you
0: okay you've heard a little bit of my background so you know there's been some challenges along the way and um mile i'm a i'm a i'm a history nut okay or a a i history history file i don't know what you want to call it and english history has been always my very favorite and um my favorite person in history is Winston Churchill with all the good and the bad all rolled up in one. I mean, you don't want a perfect thing. You know, you don't want <laughs> kind of to. Right. But I, what was the name? I, I think I mentioned it. I forgot the word. was making a commencement speech. And in the commencement speech, I think it's probably the shortest one on record. He said, never give up, never give up, never give up. And he sat down. That was it. And I've always been a big part Of moving forward was that attitude, and I respected so much. That's all he said, and then he sat down. It made made a lot of. It's made a big difference for me, and I venture to say it's helped a lot of people along the way. So thank you for asking.
1: You're welcome. Right. well, thank you for being on our podcast. Uh, thank you also for being part of the Book Academy because you're yeah. one of the founder members of that where we explore lots of different kind of books. So yeah. I really appreciate you and thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate it.
1: Hi, thank you for listening to the Lady 80 Show podcast. Come back, subscribe, and we'll do this all over again. Bye-bye. Hey.